Hey guys, welcome to the View from the Front podcast, a fast-moving military defense news podcast. For those who don't know, my name is Stan R. Mitchell, and I'm a prior Marine and journalist. Every week, I primarily do three things. First, I work to highlight what our military troops are doing around the world, while also trying to better educate Americans about looming hotspots and foreign policy news you absolutely should know. Second, I attempt to unite our country and remind us of how lucky we are to live in America. Our division and animosity toward each other is dangerous, and I want to do my small part to remind us that more unites us than divides us, and that most Americans are good and not screaming crazy extremists like you see on the news all the time. Finally, I always share plenty of motivation and wisdom at the end of each episode because I want to do my small part to help encourage you and lift you up. Life is certainly hard, and I think it's fair to say all of us need all the motivation and encouragement that we can possibly get. Every Thursday, I produce this podcast, so if you haven't signed up yet, I'd appreciate if you did. All episodes are ad-free, and it's completely free to sign up and join the email list, or you can help sustain and support the show for $5 per month. Subscribing will also get you the View from the Front Extended, which is a newsletter that I put out on Mondays. You can find out how to subscribe from my Substack page, which is in the episode notes, or you can find it directly from my Substack page, which is stanrmitchell.substack.com. Again, that's stanrmitchell.substack.com. Or you can just Google it, and it's one of the first ones that pops up. And with that out of the way, let's get started. This is the April 13th edition of The View from the Front, and we're really glad to have you here In this episode, we'll be discussing several topics, which you probably haven't seen in the news. As I always say, our media does a terrible job covering our military and looming hotspots, so I'm hoping to fill this void. And as always, we will end with some motivation and wisdom at the end of every episode. There are two quick programming notes before we get to the news. The first is I'm going to try to experiment with a slightly shorter episode today, so we'll see how that goes. If you guys want to give me some feedback on that, that would be awesome. And then the second thing is from this point forward, I'm going to continue putting the podcast out on Thursdays, but I'm going to change the uh, the view from the front extended, which is the newsletter that I've been putting out each day. I'm going to switch that to Mondays only, so that will go down from... Basically, I was doing five days a week, and, you know, (laughs) I am an overly ambitious person. So, initially, I was going to do something where the newsletter, which was, of course, again, called The View from the Front Extended, would be put out periodically. But then I thought, oh, it should be a schedule, and people will get used to it. So, let's do it, like, Monday to Friday every day, including on the days we do podcasts. And then we'll do it in the morning so that people have to get used to this routine of getting it. So... You know, I did that because of, you know, goals and dreams and all of that. But uh, my wife warned me when I started that, that uh, I was being a little bit um, naive. And I think she was right. So as you can probably guess, the uh, high level of production just wasn't sustainable. And I didn't quite get the, um, well, we did get a small amount of growth. I didn't quite get the uh, amount of, you know, I think I expected skyrocketing growth. Because as humans, we all expect things to go you know, really fast and instant. And that's just not how life is. But at any rate, um, so the newsletter will be coming out on Mondays, podcast on Thursdays, and we're going to try to keep it a little briefer today. Let's see how that goes. So we will begin with U.S. news. Late last week after the last podcast, there was a massive 
leak of, in many cases, top secret material. And it has since come out that apparently a young gentleman, I'm not going to say too much about his organization or anything yet, because I believe as I'm speaking, he is probably in handcuffs. Uh, about an hour ago, a story broke about his identity, and yesterday, and this is on Thursday, but on Wednesday, there was a great story in the Washington Post, which I believe was the first news source to report it, that talked about that the secrets had been released as part of a online gaming group that this individual was releasing some of it to these online group of friends. It was a small group, but they have since, of course, spilled out into larger and larger um, audiences. But I believe the gentleman's name will be named. Well, I could name him, but I'm not going to name someone until we get that nailed down a little bit better. But we will definitely be following that because this has done a huge amount of damage to U.S. national security. And you'll see, even from today, there are several stories that are based on this leak and how it has affected um, the U.S. national security interests around the world. In fact, as we move from U.S. news to the war in Russia and Ukraine that's happening, the first story, in fact, is from that leak. And the leak involves a um, highly sensitive document from the Defense Intelligence Agency. It's a U.S. group. And there is an assessment from the Defense Intelligence Agency that says they do not expect either side to hold peace talks this year. Um, and so the war will go into 2024, according to the analysis that is done the from the Defense Intelligence Agency. So that was already one bit of news that has um, come out as a part of this leak. Moving further into it, another leak said that China and Russia had an agreement that China would provide weapons or lethal aid. We've been talking about that for a couple of weeks and so, as a part of the leak that came out, there are some intercepted communications that show that China was planning to provide lethal aid. I think that's probably been put on hold partly by this leak of top-secret documents. And also in the leak, there was information that the country of Egypt had planned to send 40,000 rockets covertly to Russia. To help them in their war effort. Now, of course, this is a not so great thing for Egypt even itself because they've said that, um, I'll quote from their spokesman for the foreign ministry, but that Egypt's position from the beginning is based on non-involvement in this crisis and committing to maintain equal distance with both sides while affirming Egypt's support to the UN Charter and international law in the UN General Assembly. So they're saying one thing, they were planning to do another that was intercepted and and um, intercepted by US communications folks. That was leaked as well, that we had basically been spying on, basically an ally. Now, as a reminder, the US provides an annual amount of security aid of about $1.3 billion, and so, this will probably be something that comes up the next time the U.S. picks up the phone and calls Egypt that they might not want to be supplying Russia with rockets as a part of their war and doing all of this secretly 
if they expect for us to continue to assist them. Now, let's move away from the league stories for just a moment, and let's talk about Ukraine and the Crimean Peninsula down in the southern part of the country. Now, if you're hearing this for the first time, we've talked about this a lot, but the Crimean Peninsula is a part of Ukraine that Russia invaded back in 2014, and it has this really strategic naval base, which is why Russia never wants to let it go. It's also partly from where Russia used to launch the attack into Ukraine when it recently, a year ago, reinvaded Ukraine. So Ukraine has said all along that it wants to retake the Crimean Peninsula, but it is such a strategic area that it's clear that Russia does want to hang on to it. And so the uh, foreign minister for Ukraine this past Thursday said that uh, Ukraine is not budging on its demand that Russia withdraw its forces from Crimea. I think a lot of uh, European leaders, not a lot, but some had kind of potentially thought maybe you leave Crimea as a part of Russia, and that might end the war sooner. But the foreign minister for Ukraine has again said that um, they will not budge on the demand that Russia has to completely withdraw, and so they're going to hold their ground on that. That's the first of the additional stories I wanted to cover regarding Russia. There are four more. The second story I wanted to cover is, as we talked about last week, Russia seized a Wall Street Journal reporter and of course they're saying the guy is a spy but they are now already saying that they might be willing to swap him for a political prisoner that the u.s has so i had said a week ago that that was clearly why they detained this guy and that to me anyway it seems like no one in their uh, right mind should be in russia that is a country that just does not follow any laws but they're already trying to swap him for a political prisoner so I have just mixed views on that. I'm just going to move on, though. The third thing I wanted to mention is that as the spring offensive nears, which everyone's been talking about, that Ukraine was going to launch against Russia to retake its land, there are some not-so-great numbers that were that have come out about the amount of casualties that Ukraine has sustained. In fact, those numbers are actually about five times higher than what Ukraine has publicly stated, and in that leaked um, information that has gone public, it's now estimated that the U.S. government thinks Ukraine has lost between 124,000 and 131,000 soldiers since Russia invaded this most recent third time. So that's a lot of casualties, and Ukraine is starting to draft reinforcements and they have some pretty stringent rules in theory um well let me just say most men between the ages of 18 and 60 aren't even allowed to leave the country but they do have some mobilization rules that allow for exceptions for parents with three or more children who are under 18 for caretakers of disabled dependents those deemed medically unfit and ukraine will have and this information comes from a Washington Post story that did a great job talking about the draft in Ukraine. Ukraine will have almost a quarter of a million Ukrainians turning 18 years old this year. So that these um, folks will be old enough that they can fight if they sign up and if they're but if they're uh, if they're male and still in the country, they will not be allowed to leave. So I don't know what the numbers are of 
Ukrainians who are wanting to leave because it sure seems like that the number of people exiting the country after the first month or two of the invasion a year ago dramatically dropped and a lot of Ukrainians who had fled and moved or moved into Poland and other parts of Europe actually went back to their country so they do have a huge amount of patriotism a lot of folks volunteering to sign up but they do have a draft in place and so they are drafting lots of folks to fight off these Russians I know I don't come across as exactly objective on this but I have said before that this is not something I'm objective on this was a clear case of just a horrendous invasion of a smaller country by a larger neighbor that had already invaded many other countries and has a decades-long history of all, kind, all kinds of breaking of international norms. So I am definitely not objective on this. And Russia has committed so many war crimes, so many bombing of civilian cities, so many civilians placed on trains. And on that note, the fourth story I wanted to share was there is outrage in Ukraine because there is a very gruesome video that was released where a Ukrainian soldier was beheaded. It spread like crazy online and has drawn outrage from lots of folks in um, across Europe, but also in Ukraine, including the uh, president Zelensky spoke about it. Um, the Kremlin calls the footage horrible, but says that it needs to be verified. But unfortunately, it's pretty realistic and um, accurate. And I, I think that um, they've already said they want to launch a war crimes investigation into it. So I don't think there's much dispute about whether it's an actual video or not of a beheading. So I'll keep you guys posted on that. And then the final story I wanted to share was the sanctions are really starting to hit Russia. And we don't have the full picture yet, partly because Russia doesn't share anything with any honesty. But we do have the picture from Germany alone. Of course, Germany is the largest country in Europe, or one of the largest, certainly. And their imports from Russia fell more than 90% since Russia invaded Ukraine. That is a huge figure. So... I wanted to share just one month's worth of numbers from the German Federal Statistics Office, which said that in February, they imports were only worth $329 million, or 300 million euros in February. So, 300 million euros. This time last year in February, it wasn't 300 million euros it was 3.7 billion euros. So German imports from Russia dropped from 3.7 billion euros to 300 million, a 91% fall. And that takes Russia from being the 11th biggest source of imports in Germany to 46th place. I'm going to say those numbers one more time because they are staggering. Imports into Germany from Russia in February, dropped from 3.7 billion euros to 300 million. 91% drop, and Russia went from being the 11th largest source of imports into Germany to 46th place. That is just shocking. So, I hope uh, Mr. Putin is enjoying his war because his economy is absolutely tanking at levels that we will probably start to see in the next six to nine months. 
Just a quick reminder, if you love what you're listening to, please sign up for email notifications. It's free to do so unless you choose to subscribe and support what I'm doing. There is an additional benefit to subscribing, which is you will get the view from the front extended. That is an email that comes out on Mondays that has just a quick summary of the latest military news happening out there. And again, that only goes out to paid subscribers. People are always asking me on social media how to best support my dreams, including getting out future books sooner. Believe me, the best way to support me is by signing up for a paid subscription. You can find out all the details through my Substack page, and you can support through both Substack, Patreon, or Venmo. Again, all those details are on the Substack page. But believe me, you don't have to do any of these things. I've already had incredible support and feel called to do this. So as long as I'm making enough to cover the time I invest each week, I'm not going anywhere. All right, enough of the sales pitch. We are now going to move to news about China and Taiwan. There's only one subject I really want to cover this week in that, and this involves the French president traveling to China and some comments that Macron said. And, wow, it's a lot to get into, but I'm just going to try to keep it to about a minute or two. As I said, I'm trying to make this episode shorter and see how folks react to that. But Macron said, and after meeting with the leader of China, that, quote, the question Europeans need to answer is, is it in our interest to accelerate a crisis on Taiwan? No, he said. The worst thing would be to think that we Europeans must become followers on this topic and take our cue from the U.S. agenda and a Chinese overreaction. Clearly, those are some pretty strong comments, especially to make public, and so the reaction has been pretty swift. I wanted to just quote, there was an, there's an alliance of leaders that's in Europe called the Interparliamentary Alliance on China, and they pretty quickly, after Macron made that statement, released this statement now, remember, this draws from membership of dozens of lawmakers from across the world, but mainly in Europe. And they issued a statement that said that Macron's words, quote, are severely out of step with the feeling across Europe's governments and beyond. And they said that uh, Macron's seeming indifference to Taiwan's plot disregarded the, quote, vital place of Taiwan in the global economy and that Macron had, quote, undermined decades-long commitment of the international community to maintaining peace across the Taiwan Strait. So, pretty big news. The French President Macron, Emmanuel Macron, is often just says some of the things that just blow your mind. Of course, he's many times was not taking the Russian invasion very serious into Ukraine. He, he just sometimes seems out of step, but... He made those comments, so I definitely wanted to report on that and share it, and we'll see what additional follow-up may or may not happen from that. And before we wrap up with some motivation and wisdom, I wanted to share one other bit of news from the Middle East. The uh, countries of Saudi Arabia and Syria are moving toward restoring embassies, communications, flat to each other's countries. So these are some pretty big steps because... The two cut off diplomatic relations in 2012. So that's what, 10 plus years ago? It's almost 11 years ago. And of course, at that time, Syria was widely shunned by Arab governments um, because at that time, the Syrian president Bashar Assad, he was doing a crackdown on protesters. Later, 
his forces were shooting unarmed civilians. That led to a civil war. It began in 2011. And then eventually Syria was actually ousted from the Arab League. So Syria has been the country that has not been very popular in the Middle East for a while. So Saudi Arabia is now trying to restore that position for Syria. And once they get a little better established in the Middle East, then perhaps other countries will recognize them. But Syria, under the president of, under the leadership of President uh, Bashar Assad, has, I mean, the crackdown that he's done has been brutal. The tactics were brutal. So it may be a while before the international community completely welcomes him back. But Saudi Arabia, again, showing some political muscle by being one of the first to try to bring Syria back in. So that was definitely a power move by them. And we'll just keep you posted on what happens from here. All right, so we're going to get to the best part of the show, the motivation and wisdom section. And I'm just going to read these, and I hope you enjoy them as much as I did just reading them. Here's the first one. Maturity is when you want peace more than revenge. I like that. Maturity is when you want peace more than revenge. Next one. Just because someone carries it well doesn't mean it isn't heavy. It's another good one. Again, just because someone carries it well doesn't mean it isn't heavy. And I think we can take that a little further and say we've seen people, how people should carry something with a, a look of coolness, calmness, serenity, and that's how we should try to be. It's not always easy to be that way, especially if you're running around like crazy. But again, the quote is, just because someone carries it well doesn't mean it isn't heavy. Really good. Next one. We cannot become what we want by remaining what we are. That is really good. Again, we cannot become what we want by remaining what we are. Next one. Don't give up. You are closer than you think. It's a great one. Again, don't give up. You are closer than you think. The next one. Consistency is more important than perfection. Oh, that is a good one. I have to tell myself that one a lot. Consistency is more important than perfection. Like even as I've recorded this podcast, there are a hundred things I wanted to change about today's episode. But sometimes you just got to let it go. You can't try to be perfect on everything. You just do the best you can and then you try to do a little better tomorrow. All right. This is a good one to read. Repeat this every day. I have the power. I am in control of my life. No one else. No one and nothing determines where I will end up except me. It's all me. My attitude. My work ethic. My desire. My response to challenges. It's all me. That's pretty good. Now, of course, all of these quotes, you can kind of argue with them or differ or say, well, it's not all you, it's God, it's this or that. And and that's all certainly true. But we do definitely play a huge role in where we end up. So, you know, I think if you nitpick them, you can nitpick them or you can just take some good from them and uh, move on. But again, I'll read it one more time. I have the power. I am in control of my life. No one else. No one and nothing determines where I will end up except me. It's all me. My attitude, my work ethic, my desire, my response to challenges, it's all me. That's really good. All right. This one's nine things to always remember. One, you are not alone. 
2. The past cannot be changed. 3. Happiness is found within. 4. Opinions don't define you. 5. Mistakes are part of life. 6. The best things in life are free. 7. Always be yourself. 8. You only fail if you quit. 9. Kindness is free. So again, I'm going to read those nine things to always remember. 1. You are not alone. 2. The past cannot be changed. 3. Happiness is found within. 4. Opinions don't define you. 5. Mistakes are part of life. 6. The best things in life are free. And for me anyway, I think about family. There are so many things you can do with your family that don't cost a thing. Board games, physical activities, etc. 7. Always be yourself. 8. You only fail if you quit. 9. Kindness is free. That is a really good one. I always like to end with this one. Be the reason someone smiles. Be the reason someone feels loved and believes in the goodness of people. I always think that's a great one to end with. And with that, thanks for joining us this week on The View from the Front. For those who want to know a little bit more about me, here's the short version. I'm from Knoxville, Tennessee, and I left home to join the Marine Corps at the age of 17. I was also crazy enough to demand that the Marine Corps put me down for guaranteed infantry. I served four years in the infantry, saw enough danger to decide I no longer had anything else to prove, and I exited military service in 1999. I earned a degree from the University of Tennessee in journalism and spent 10 plus years in the news business. I worked initially as a reporter, but then went on to start a weekly newspaper. What can I say? Anyone crazy enough to start a weekly newspaper at the age of 27 is probably a dreamer and an optimist, and I confess that I'm both. I owned that weekly newspaper for nine years, but once it was clear that owning a newspaper wasn't the best path to financial security, I went on to become an author. To date, I've written 11 books, and while I still have my sights set on the tallest peaks in the writing world, I'm now here as well, a once-a-week podcaster who's still in love with both this country and the news. And I see this podcast as a small way to continue serving our country, doing my best to inform and unite us in a time that we're as divided as we've probably been in a hundred years. Well, I've talked enough about me. I really hope you'll consider at least signing up to be a free subscriber. And if you can, consider at some point becoming a paid subscriber. Again, you can do both of these things at my substack, stanrmitchell.substack.com. Again, that's stanrmitchell.substack.com. As a reminder, please be kind and try your best to love your fellow Americans. Let's all work together to unite this country. And also, please try to be a better person each and every day. Try to be kinder on social media and how you interact with others with whom you disagree. And if you've got a dream kicking around in the back of your mind, go after it. If you have that friend or family member that you know you should reach out to, who you haven't talked to in a few months, reach out to them. Also, if you haven't already put a rating on some of the social media places that you listen to us, whether it's Apple Podcasts or some of the others, if you could drop a rating, that'd be great. We're trying to get those up because I've heard if you get them up to 30 or 40, then the algorithms take over. So that'd be a great way to help out. Finally, I should mention my books. I've written 11 of them. You can find all of those books on Amazon by simply searching my name, Stan or Mitchell, or you can find a link to them in the Substack notes. Again, thanks so much, guys, for joining us this week. And with that, I am out.